Let Eurovision Queens begin! Welcome to Eurovision Queens, the podcast that celebrates the glory that is the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Ryan, and I'd walk through fire and through rain just to get closer to you. And I'm Andy, and you're stuck on me like a tattoo. Hi, and welcome to another bonus episode of Eurovision Queens. Yes, another of our interview editions in which a special guest chooses their favourite Eurovision songs and explains why they're important to them. Today's guest is a big Eurovision fan who is busy doing lots of great work within the LGBTQ plus community. He's a choreographer, a dancer, director of the homo parody queer collective, and most significantly, he's a winner, baby. Yes, he is the current Mr. Gay Great Britain. It's David Allward. Wow. What an intro. How the devil are you? I'm so good. Thank you. After that intro, I feel like I've got a lot to live up to, but thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to have you on board. So we understand you've come hot foot from the House of Commons. Yeah, it was a crazy week last week. Um, Something that we've been building up for for a while, but we finally got the date in the diary and myself and the other winners of the Mr Gay collective I guess we all went to the House of Commons and had kind of like an open meeting with MPs where they were all invited and they came to meet us and have like a conversation tell us about the work they're doing to support our community and obviously we also told them to do a little more (laughs) for some of them Um, yeah it was a it was a really positive day it was a day that could have gone you know, we could have been in a room by ourselves. They didn't have to turn up, but so many did. And right. they all had, yeah, they all had something um, to say and they were really keen to to help support our community. So it, I actually left feeling really reassured, oh, which was nice. Fantastic. It's not often politics feel, makes us feel reassured these days, is it? I know, I know. <laughs> and it felt like there was actually action happening. There were a lot of like campaigns. There were a lot of things that they were specifically um, keen to to help like with the sort of um there's a new initiative about um ask for clive which is similar to ask for angela yes um, clubs yeah Yeah. and that's something that i really want to help get on board with um also kim ledbeat is doing a load of work on loneliness which is actually a campaign that i launched after i won mr gay uh great britain yeah Um, we read about that that was such an interesting angle and it kind of like i read that i was thinking oh that's a bit of a curveball but it's about the loneliness of of gay people yeah yeah absolutely it's just it's something that is felt more in the lgbtqia community yeah and uh, something that obviously i've experienced at times in my life especially at, um, when i was coming out um and i just when i when i was competing i was thinking about what can actually help make a difference and give people something to i, I don't know i just wanted to give something back to the community that I suddenly felt supported by from doing things like homo parody and yeah loneliness was one that I kept going back to because it's something that kind of people don't like to talk about people Mm. don't like to admit a lot of the time but people always feel it and you can be in like the busiest city in the world like Liverpool in May and feel (laughs) lonely (laughs) yeah um and yeah, I just wanted to, obviously I'm never going to, I'm not going to change 
no gay is ever going to feel lonely again or anything like that. <laughs> but the conversation is important and people should have an understanding of, you know, what they can do if they start to feel lonely, what um, what steps they can take to improve their mental health in general. And, and th- through that, the feelings of loneliness hopefully will subside. Yeah. Wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to come back and ask you questions about what it means to be Mr. Gay Great Britain and what that involved. Um, but mm. I think we should go to your first choice, a Eurovision song Ooh. that means something to you. So okay. tell us. So I loved making this list for a lot of reasons, but I also found it so hard because when you think of all the songs that mean something to you in Eurovision and then you've got to whittle it down to five. Um, I mean, I could have given you a whole like, now this is Eurovision <laughs> list. Um, but the first song that I want to talk about is kind of my first memory of Eurovision. And it's Gina G, who are just a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, you, you're, exactly. You're, his, his reaction is exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully all the queers out there are nodding right now because... Yeah. I mean, so it's not that she's a queer artist that I know of, but if you're looking for like gay Euro pop, it's probably number one, I would say. And it's one of my first memories of Eurovision, that looking back, I used to sit with my family with all the scorecards and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I was marking the dresses and like the performance and all this kind of stuff. And this song, I think it was actually on a Now album as well at the time, which is like, I think, first for Eurovision, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, but, oh, I just was obsessed with it. I could not stop playing with it. Playing playing with it? <laughs> I, could not, <laughs> I could not stop playing it at all. And it's just a great feel-good song. It's definitely a gay anthem now. Mm. And it just personal to me. Like, that was obviously a time in my life where I think it was the time roughly when my parents were going through a divorce. I definitely was a little bit more in my shell and kind of trying to work out who I was um, and identify, you know, where I fit in in the world. And songs like this made all of that not important. It made us have a good time. Yeah, just loved it. Well, let's hear a bit of Who Are Just A Little Bit with the glorious Gina G. When you go out clubbing now, do you ever ask for it? Or you don't need to, I guess. It's always on, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's still so, so, like, it's still such an anthem. My boss actually boycotts Eurovision now because she didn't win. I mean, eighth place is an absolute travesty. Oh, tell us more. 
Yeah, he's just furious still from 1996 when she didn't win. He <laughs> so literally absolutely... because of that placing, yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. He was like, I used to love Eurovision, and now I hate it. Tina wow. G was robbed. <laughs> that that's some um, proper like that's the sort of thing that I am, but that angry, that level all the time. Yeah. Um, but that that that's to the next level, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's the sort of thing. You, yeah, you feel it unforgivable. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we've I got it like forever. I was over in Missouri um, years ago, and I was at this gay couple's house, and they played Gina G. And I'm like, "How do you know this?" And it's one of the few songs that actually got there and actually mm. is known in the states. Absolutely, yeah. And to be honest, it's not really a, an English sounding song. I would say no. it. <laughs> yeah. It just crosses over every, like everywhere, and I just yeah, I honestly just love it. It's so yeah. good. You've got a fun fact about the dress as well. Yeah, do you know you? about the dress? Do you know who it was made for originally? Tell me. It was, no? for, it was made for Cher. No way. Yeah, the silver oh big sequin dress. Yeah, that was made for Cher. I love it. Yeah. We found the queer link. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was looking through, like, you know, all, all the artists I was looking at and all the things that they did for the LGBTQ community. Couldn't find a lot for Gina G. But now that she's shared, wore a dress that Cher should have worn, then yeah. we've, we've found it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> love that. Yeah. <laughs> So we introduced you as Mr. Gay Great Britain, um, mm-hmm. but I was also saying it was Mr. Gay England in other places. So can you explain what's yeah. going on there? So in a nutshell, I won Mr. Gay England last yeah. summer, uh-huh. fully aware that the Mr. Gay England was merging with all the other regions like uh-huh. Wales, Northern Ireland, etc., to create Mr. Gay Great Britain. Um, for 2023 so yeah I won Mr Gay England but as that moved over I'm now Mr Gay Great Britain and I'll be representing Great Britain in the Mr Gay Europe finals which are coming up in August ah wonderful excellent oh that's exciting yeah (laughs) can't get enough of the pageant (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you you just said pageant but it isn't just a beauty pageant I mean you look great in your underwear I have seen (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) but it's not just that is it now Absolutely not. No, I absolutely, I mean, I loved the runway, the challenges that were on the runway, I loved. And that was the pageant feel. And, you know, I was talking to some friends about what I was planning. And I was like, oh, you know, I might just chuck on a top or whatever. And they were like, you're stomping a runway, you make the most of it. And then I literally all my creativity and all my like fashion, which is questionable, um, (laughs) came out and I made three like, looks that I was so happy with one was like a letter to the trans community yeah. um in mm. support of my um good friend Jari who um she trans transitioned a long time ago but she had operations and we were supporting her um one was a love letter kind of I mean it was the regional wear and it was about all of the places in London that had all of the queer places that had closed yeah. Um, so it had names of all the all the places that I could think of that had closed that were wow. it was basically a save our spaces um, mm. message. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wanted to have something to say, and then I mean for the formal wear, I just shoved a, t- a pearl necklace and tiara on and put it with a Stella McCartney suit and just, <laughs> hoped I, for just the best. I just wore a Stella McCartney. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was gifted to me by the way. I cannot afford that <laughs> by myself. But yeah, so that side of it was very pageant. But everything else, the reason I actually entered was because you get to raise uh, raise funds for um, Pride Radio and for um, the Charlie Carter Foundation, which are two amazing organisations. Um, Charlie Carter support families that 
are struggling after the the news that their child's terminally ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we had the speech from the founder, we I mean, I was absolutely destroyed, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It was it really did spur me on to try and raise as much as I possibly could. Yeah. So that was that the charity round. Um, and it was basically the person who raised the most won that round. Um, which was me. <laughs> um, uh, we also had a test, like an exam on LGBT rights and legislation. And so my husband really helped with the learning of all the things, or like filling the holes of knowledge that I didn't quite know. Um, I felt quite clued up as it was, but I really had to go to town on like my history. And mm. um, yeah, so managed to get an A on that one and won that round. So that was cool. And yeah, it was really nice. And that was the one that meant the most, for sure. Like, I feel like it's really important for a winner to know what came before in order to know what they want to change and what to yeah. they want to help with. Um, so, yeah, that was um, really nice to win that one. We also had an audience vote and like a Mr. Congeniality. So okay. I suppose that's quite, quite pageanty in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so there were seven categories. Uh, I won five and drew one. Um, but came second in another, so it was quite a, quite a good yeah, day all round, really. That's <laughs> quite good, isn't it? It's kind of a bit like Danny Beard going through and winning most of Drag Race recently, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love Danny Beard, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so do we. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was really good. Yeah, cool. Excellent. Okay, so so yeah, but so let's talk to us about your second choice. Okay, so second choice. It's one that I switched since I spoke to you. Um, I'm mm. going to talk about um, Monoskin and Zitti Aboni. Apologies yeah. to any Italians if <laughs> I said that wrong. <laughs> um, and my reasoning for this is that this is an absolute amazing song. It's an amazing song in its own. Like, I just loved it from the start. It was one that normally I don't really like sort of listening to what the favourites are and all that mm. kind of thing. But it was just a song that isn't my normal go-to genre of music yeah. but Same. I just found yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah I just found it so sexy and so hot and just like I just loved it um and then to find out that two of the members of the band are queer one is kind of like I think a bit sort of fluid and one is um is bi and they also have like really sort of gender non-conforming clothing yeah so all of those things combined make it like one of my favorite Eurovision songs of all time I just love it brilliant okay let's hear a bit of manuscript So you mentioned that one of the band members um, is bi. 
I was reading mm -hmm. that um that when you came out that mm -hmm. you kind of were forced to come out as gay, but in fact you thought you might be bi. Do you mind mm -hmm. telling us a bit about that? Yeah, so I actually was outed. I never came out. So <sighs> whenever someone tells me they came out, I always like applaud their strength um, because I know how hard it was. Like I felt like I should have come out years and years before I did, but I just, there was something stopping me. But yeah, I, I was outed. And from that, I felt kind of forced into telling my parents. And when I told them, because it felt like I wasn't quite ready, maybe the language I used or the way that I said it made it quite, I don't know, questionable because I was questioned. I was questioned quite a lot. Mm. Um, and I sort of said, I thought it would be like a softer approach if I said, oh, you know, I'm I'm bisexual um, because it didn't mean like I was full gay. <laughs> um, okay. But with that said, I still wasn't 100% sure what I was. Mm. And I still did like girls, but I always saw myself being with a male partner, mm -hmm. um, like in long term. Um, but I was sexually attracted to both men and women. Um, and I basically was kind of told that I needed to make a choice. Um, it kind of backfired on me, me thinking the softer, softer approach. It was like, no, you can't be bi. It doesn't right. exist. Like, it's just going to confuse people, all this kind of thing. It was something that at my sort of, I was only 18, but I just, it was too much to to understand at that age. And yeah. I was from a place where there wasn't a lot of talk about gay people. Um, and I had parents, well, my dad kind of read the Daily Mail when a gay person yeah. came on the t <laughs> yeah yeah we've when been there <laughs> <laughs> um i mean my I, I do want to disclaim my dad was an amazing person and yeah. absolutely like my parents are no longer around oh, okay. um but they were both amazing people and i think at the time it was a lot for them to deal with they did they didn't quite understand we weren't from a place where being gay was fully accepted it was quite conservative and it wasn't fully understood that's for sure like gender and sexuality were kind of not talked about yeah. at all mm. um so it was hard it was a bit of a struggle when i when i came out and yeah all the people that are st still finding themselves now when i speak to them I see that sort of vulnerability that I had. Um, yeah. It after that time, it was the the darkest time of my life. Like yeah. I really did struggle mentally. I was kind of predicted all like all A's for my A levels, and because of that, my grades were affected. Um, I couldn't sleep. I actually ended up not being able to drive uh -huh. um, because I just literally could, I couldn't focus on anything. So yeah, it's a time that I can talk about now because I've managed to build like strength and I, I can openly talk about it without almost with pride actually knowing that I got through that that period and it also works as a way of me protecting myself from going back into that dark place you know mm -hmm. like I, I've been there and I know what I can do to make sure that I don't go into that place again yeah mm -hmm. and it's yeah. so important we if we feel comfortable to that we share our stories so other people mm -hmm have that mm. same um sense of yeah. yeah what it what it's like what it what it can what form it can take and, yeah. and it's different for everybody but um it's so good to have those conversations isn't it absolutely yeah it's so important and actually yeah. those conversations are what a lot of people need to hear they one of the, you can hear someone else talking about it on like a podcast or whatever and that can give you the strength to think Do you know what i'm actually going to come out to my friends yeah. or mm. come out to my parents you know yeah. I still know people now that aren't out to their whole um, circle of people. 
you know they're not out to their gran or they're not out to Mm. their parents or Mm. some colleagues don't know that they're gay yeah and it's 2023 you know well let me tell you i was married for 23 years to a woman before i came out (laughs) and my experience was when i came out it was the easiest thing i ever did right exactly bizarrely it it, you know people will support you Mm. Mm. i was amazed yeah, that's, that's so good. The other thing as well is like coming out isn't like on the TV when it's just one event and then everybody knows about it. It's always like Ugh. lots of little coming outs to lots of different groups of people. So yeah, it, it almost feels like you're you're forever having to come out to someone. <laughs> Absolutely. But I always kind of feel like it's not coming out to them. It's letting them into you more. So from my point I of view, that. it doesn't feel so much like I'm having to perform to someone it's like I'm inviting you in to know more about me absolutely yeah I love that that's such a nice way of putting it for sure yeah, yeah. and it's so liberating so <laughs> freeing so. yeah <laughs> yeah okay so let's have your third choice David okay so my third third choice is another one in the history books um and it's Katrina and the waves love shine a light Ooh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that a good ooh? I didn't know that was a good ooh. Oh no, it is a good ooh. I mean it is for me. I remember back in the day being so happy when it won. We finally won after you know so long. I think Books yeah. Fizz was previous to that. Yeah. And I think it especially when we had the 2020 um non-contest and that was kind of the anthem it felt of that night. Mm. Yeah. And it suddenly yeah. occurred to me how important that song was, even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, t- but Absolutely. that's me. Tell, tell us what tell us what it means to you. That's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> what it means to me from back in the day is spending Eurovision with my family, and my mum absolutely loved that song so much. Aww. She really did. Um, I remember we we went to HMV and bought the um, the single Aww, yeah. <laughs> um, and played it nonstop. But the message in that song is. I mean, you can say it's cheesy, but it's about love and togetherness. And as far as I can remember, when I listen to it now, I always am so impressed at how non-gender specific it is. There's okay. no like he or she or yeah, there's nothing like that. So that it's about yeah. yeah, it's about love in a kind of um, pure form, which huh. is what love should be. Yeah. Um, so which is really nice. And obviously Katrina, um, had her civil partnership in like I think 2008 or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if she was openly a lesbian when she when she was in Eurovision. I'm not sure. I don't know. If we no, I, d- I don't know. I don't know. No. No, but she did wear gender non-conforming clothing. Mm-hmm. She had like the sort of suit scenario, like that green that, that green. green shirt. <laughs> it's a horrible green shirt, though, isn't it? Please tell I know. me it's horrible. Yeah. Okay. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the styling, the styling was kind of questionable, but it was also like you just could see an artist that was being themselves, and yes. that's so powerful mm. when that happens on on Eurovision. Like the the standard. Eurovision would be right let's shove her in a dress and do you know what I mean all that kind of thing and it wasn't it wasn't like that at all there was something really special about it and that made the message even more clear that it was about you know we're all together you know Eurovision is made from unity and it it absolutely encapsulates all of that in one song so that's why I think it's such an important Eurovision song. Honestly, you should commentate for the BBC for Eurovision, honestly. Saying things in a new angle. Yeah, here. absolutely. I've never considered it that way. Oh, so that's brilliant. amazing. Yeah. Yay. Put a little thought into this before. <laughs> yeah, you did. 
So let's hear some Katrina. Such a feel-good song. Um, I love it. Yeah, it definitely makes you sway along to it, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Put your lighters in the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so good. One thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, the Homo Parody Collective. Tell me what yeah. that is. Tell the listeners what that is. <laughs> yeah. So Homo Parody is something that came out of lockdown. Um, <laughs> I had a bit of a, a time where I was a bit stuck and. I did 10 years of performing and I was lucky enough to like tour around the world with um, different musicals, shows, the TV um, as a dancer. And choreography was always something that really interested me. So I started going into choreography a little bit more from like 2015 on. Um, but it was lockdown that I really kind of started to question what I was doing with my life. And there were so many things that I was like, oh I just I'm a bit too scared to let that happen or what if I do that but it fails and all that kind of thing and it took the sort of the downtime I guess of lockdown to realize that it actually didn't matter if it failed it's just the worst thing would be to look back and not have done it in the first place yeah that makes um, sense. Yeah. yeah and uh similar to what I was talking about the loneliness thing I had some friends that were really struggling with the lockdown and also finding quite unhealthy coping mechanisms for what they were going through so I set up well I didn't actually set up Home and Parody that's that's a lie what I actually did was I just told my friend that he's going to be Beyonce I'm going to be Gaga and we're recreating Telephone. Oh, wow. <laughs> telephone, video. we love Telephone. I'm always yeah. asking for Telephone. <laughs> so we literally got our friends together and we recreated the whole video shot for shot. Um, so it got so serious that we like booked a, stu- a COVID safe dance studio. Oh, um, yeah. And we learned, I, t- I taught the routine, like uh, exactly like the music video. And we filmed the whole thing. Um, and it kind of just kind of blew up from there. And while I was making the hashtags for that post, I just was like, oh, what are we doing? Like, homo, like, oh, it's kind of a parody. So I literally just made a hashtag. And then that hashtag was kind of commented a lot and people were sort of talking about it. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll make more homo parodies then. Yeah. And now that has kind of exploded a little bit and it's almost becoming like my full-time job. Uh, right, it feels like right. my full-time job. Yeah. yeah, so now I like run queer dance classes for London and um, for the queer community I'm still doing the homo parodies we've got uh, Kylie can't get you out of my head coming out oh. soon um which is yeah what, what what date is that have you got a, an event date for that so we're doing the launch party on the 10th of April which is okay. holiday Monday yeah cool. at Arch in Clapham and then the video will be released later that week. So the, the launch is kind of like a chance for people to see it before it drops online, which would be fun. Um, cool. Yeah, so um, that's 
so homoparody is now like a community collective. I've got people that are um, interested in the classes or they want to do the videos. Um, we have like quite an online presence as well, but it's kind of, it's yeah, it's really exciting. We do, we, we actually performed on the main stage of London Pride uh, last year. Um, the invite for that was just like such <laughs> an amazing experience. We were like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then since then we've, performed at um like pink news party and yeah we i mean we had a residency in a nightclub for a while it's just it's been amazing it's honestly been so nice and like that fear that i had is all gone i just anything that i kind of want to do want to try out like it's very charity focused so it's really not money driven at all unfortunately yeah. <laughs> um, but the charity i love supporting london friend which is our kind of sister charity uh, and also terence higgins trust they do amazing work so we mm. we make the videos in order to raise money for them um as well yeah so it's cool it's fun Brilliant. wonderful stuff yeah check out the videos they're amazing oh thank you yeah they are so <laughs> your fourth choice we come to now okay where are we now okay our <laughs> fourth choice is um okay so this one again it's actually quite an old one i'm showing my age with all these choices. <laughs> um but we have to talk about dana international yeah um, with diva hmm. yeah back I mean, to 98 yeah yeah 98 oh my god <laughs> also just thinking about the world then mm. and thinking about people putting their votes behind an openly trans woman is just, that is so special. Like, I really don't even know if they were aware of how special that is, that um, that statement. And also it's from Israel. I know. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, literally. And I think my dad actually was a bit like, what the fuck? Yeah. But you cannot deny when a song is good, and it, no matter what your your opinions on people are, that is an that is an artist that is doing something special, and that's when the, all of those opinions they suddenly don't seem to matter to people. It shouldn't take um, an incredible performance like Dan Internationals for people to start to take notice of a community. But if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. You know, mm. like she she was a performer singing a song in Eurovision and the statements and the political things and all that stuff around it almost seemed to not be the reason that she won or why she was there. It was the fact that she created an incredible song. Yeah. Do, you know what, do you know what I'm trying to yeah, say? Like, it, it was the performance, yeah. it was her talent. It wasn't mm. about those other things, but those things, yeah, looking back. Are so, so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also just yeah. a, a, a reason why representation matters so much, isn't it? Because probably yeah. more than 50% of the audience would probably never have seen a trans person on television before. Absolutely. And just to see that and then it gives them something that they can just take away from it in a way or educate themselves a yeah. little bit more or just, yeah. I feel like it was the same time that Big Brother was, that we had the trans oh, winner with Big Nadia. Brother. Nadia, yeah. that's a few years later. Yeah, but, yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, that was so special. Like, like you said, representation is so important for our community, and it's a way that people can feel connected to um, to other people, to other people in their community, no matter where they're from. Uh, and the trans community, out of 
of all communities is so marginalized yeah. and suppressed <laughs> and the discrimination that they feel is heartbreaking and you know the more we can all do to support the trans community like and that's not just about liking a post that is supportive of trans people but it's actively you know speaking up for their rights yeah. and showing your support and yeah. and showing people mm. that this is some this is something that really does matter and yeah. the problem the problem that a lot of people have is that if it doesn't affect them or if they've never had um a, like if they've never questioned their gender then why should it matter to everyone else you know mm. and oh we've got more important things to worry about in the world and that's the sort of things that you hear about but when the trans community are killing themselves or being mm. killed yeah. on like a statistic that I wish I knew, but is way higher yeah. than the gay community, yeah. lesbian community, the straight community, then action needs to be taken. And those people are important. They should feel loved and they don't. They feel marginalized. And, the, um, and ultimately the trans people in our community are usually the ones that are there at the forefront you know like the, the trans people are, are always the ones sure. that have been throwing the first brick well you know trans or drag Literally. or anything like that it, you know it's yeah. like because they're the ones that are fighting for their lives really isn't it for sure i mean what's happening in america right now yeah. is terrifying mm. um and just absolutely like ridiculous <laughs> it's so ridiculous mm. um but it's happening and it's something that needs to be taken notice of because you know it's just it's wrong it's it's wrong and it needs it need they need our support yeah mm. absolutely yeah it's 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 not drag queens um harming children in america is it <laughs> exactly that <laughs> i think it might be the guns maybe <laughs> <laughs> just possibly there's other things to worry about exactly it's <laughs> wild yeah Anyway, we haven't played in Donna yet, have we? No. <laughs> no. Oh, we've got so distracted. Come yeah, on, no. Donna, cheer us up. Yeah, come yeah. That was Diet International. You do a lot of work with um, fighting the stigma around HIV. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was actually on the very first trial for PrEP um, oh, wow. in London. Yeah, so um, me and my, my husband, we got together. We weren't husbands at the time. <laughs> um, my husband and I got together in 2013 and he is HIV positive. And at the time, I didn't know enough about all of that. So I had to ask someone, basically. So we went to Dean Street, um, which is an incredible um, sexual health centre in London. And we told them our situation and they said, oh, we can help you. We've got a, a proud study that we can get you on. And basically, that was the first introduction of PrEP to see whether it was um, effective in preventing from passing on HIV um, to partners. And so, yeah, I kind of clued up myself through that trial, understood what it was all about, 
Um, I already knew that Peter was undetectable, so the risk of him passing it on is zero if he's on effective treatment. And the misconceptions around HIV are the biggest problem now. You know, stigma is the thing that people that are, are suffering from HIV feel kind of overbears the actual virus itself yeah yeah Um, yeah, so I love the work that Terence Higgins Trust do they um they talk a lot about HIV the stigma relating to HIV and also sexual health in general and improving people's sexual health and they recently did a stigma campaign about uh, well it's basically a a march and there was some fundraising that homoparity were involved in as well and yeah, I joined the march and I listened to what they had to say. Like Richard, their new um, pre- president, I think, CEO, chief, boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did a, such an inspiring speech um, in Trafalgar Square. And I just, I really hope that uh, this can change things because the stigma around HIV is something that needs to change. Like the, the understanding, the education and the reception that people get when they're told, um, someone tells them they're HIV positive is it needs to, it needs to be a more positive thing for people because it's, yeah. co- it's costing lives and it's costing relationships. Yeah. Um, if you are on effective treatment for um, HIV, you cannot pass it on to your partner. Yeah. Um, mm. And like the whole um, undetectable means untransmissible is something that really needs to be um, to be heard by everyone. Um, I was talking to a guy the other day and I said um, I was talking about an experience I'd had with a guy and um, um, he was you for you. And Mm. this this other gay guy didn't know what that was. Mm. So that was really wow. Okay, so even in the queer community, that message Mm. isn't getting through. So absolutely. Yeah, and it's something that, and again, when we talked about, like, if it doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect, if it doesn't become important to you. And it is important because HIV doesn't just affect the gay community and it doesn't just affect men. And the stigma is surrounding all, everyone. It's not a, it's not a gay disease like it yeah. was called in the, in the 80s. Yeah. It really isn't. And the women out there that are uh, on treatment for HIV and the trans the trans people the gay community straight people that have hiv the stigma is prevalent in all of those communities and mm-hmm. it's something that needs to be stamped out completely it's something that really when someone tells you they're hiv positive what they need is support and you know someone to you know a shoulder to cry on or a hug they don't need someone to then change the way they treat them yeah. or to sort of back away if they're starting a relationship like when Peter told me that he was HIV positive it didn't affect how I felt about him whatsoever because that could happen to anyone yeah. really if you're having sex it can happen to you and you know I just it I mean it made me love him more in a way because so yet that made me want to care for him even more while he was going through all of that um and yeah, and so I try and do as much as I can for Terence Higgins Trust and for people to stop the stigma of HIV. Yeah, gosh, we're talking about some important stuff. Well, today, it, it's we? crazy <laughs> how much of a of a battle it is, isn't it? Because just mm. for me, I am um, I got my eyes lasered last year, mm. and because I right. was on the medication, it brought mm. up all these questions, and I needed to get a doctor's note. 
but the doctors didn't know about the medication because it was from a sexual health clinic yeah and and i i got to the point where i was like would you give me laser eye surgery if i had aids and they were like yes so i was like so why is the medication an issue and they're like we don't actually know this is just an old form that has this tick box on it and i was like well you need to look at this form then don't you because the amount of stress it's causing just me who's someone who doesn't have hiv to to then have hiv you know it's just and and they were just like you know they they then i feel like they then did raise it through their channels or whatever but it was like Mm -hmm. it shouldn't take someone from the community to have to do that much when people are just like not worrying about what these things do like the the history the legacy of it whereas yeah like you say the whole situation around it has changed so much in the last 10 years even yeah but but people are still acting like it's the 80s I know, absolutely. And you're right that it shouldn't take someone from our community, but it's really good that you did raise that mm-hmm. because those those small changes are the things that are going to help move things forward, mm. you know. And like with forms and with even like insurance, like life insurance, all that kind of stuff, there's so many stories that you actually just would not believe in relation to people's HIV status. Mm. Um, and they all need to be updated. It needs to be reformed. And mm. it's it's through charities like Parents Higgins Trust that things like that can be brought to the right people's attention and, and change can happen, which is why they're doing so, that. Their work is so important for mm. For everyone not just the gay community for everyone yeah yeah. Mm, yeah absolutely okay so we've reached your final choice what is song number five david okay so i i've got a feeling everyone listening will just know because it's <laughs> quite predictable um but i could not give i could not in good faith give any other person this number one spot um I rewatched the 2014 Eurovision just recently because that's how much of a Eurovision nerd I am. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> and I was just in, I was in tears when it started. In fact, even before with Graham's intro and everything, um, my number one most important Eurovision song is Rise Like a Phoenix from Conchita Verse. Okay, let's hear it. I'm gonna fly. I mean, it's just stunning on so many levels, isn't it? I mean, it's just oh, everything. It, I've got goosebumps thinking about it. Like, yeah, I, when I, I actually, I don't think it was a great year, in mm. my personal opinion, 2014. Yeah. I mean, yeah. better than 2013. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there were so many things in 2014, though, that were so memorable, that really stuck in my head. And one of them was the, the reception that Russia got. And it was a time of, like, obviously Russia's, um, history of Eurovision there's been peaks and troughs but yeah. 2014 there was a lot of booze because of what was going on politically <laughs> and the most the most prevalent 
thing for me that stuck, st- uh, sticks in my mind is Conchita Verst and her her ability to like drown out all the noise yeah. that was surrounding her entry to Eurovision. And there was a lot. There was so much discrimination. There were people. The backlash was huge. And and what's important about all of that is that it was th- these d- divisive reactions caused conversations and the conversations were all put aside and all those divisive reactions were put aside when she stood on that stage and did an absolutely incredible like performance it mm. was just stunning like the the control that she had vocally um the power of just someone standing there a bearded lady people called her right at the yeah. time I think. yeah but like a bearded drag queen just singing a really beautiful song um about empowerment and then on top of all of that the speech that she oh, gave when she won i was just um, about to say yeah yeah uh it was just just so and it was kind of like a you know who you are so the, our community obviously broke down in floods of tears that could have <laughs> like <laughs> flooded everyone um yeah we'll, so we'll play that... we'll play the speech in now do you have any words at all i do this night is dedicated to everyone who believes in a future of peace and freedom. You know who you are. We are unity and we are unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What an end to Eurovision. Like, it just, it did mark 2014 as a special year. And it, yeah, like the performance speaks for itself, the song speaks for itself, but also Conchita and all the work that she does now. Like she's performed, I think, for Austrian Parliament on numerous occasions. And just that positivity, that queer energy, and also that world stage challenging perceptions is so important. Yeah. It's it's just absolutely number one for me. It really is. And and again, representation. I was in Vienna working and I saw that she was the face of one of the banks there. You know, it, oh it's just God. like actually just like that acceptance. Yeah. And, I trust her with my money. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love it. Yeah. There was complete acceptance as well. And it carried through in the um in the competition the year after, I think, as well. Yeah. That that yeah. positive message, um, like the hope that she brought to the contest and yeah it was just really powerful and I, I do I still love it to this day it's yeah. not it's not a floor filler it's not Gina G but <laughs> <laughs> you put that song on and you remember it it's, yeah. it's yeah. special and it also yeah. speaks of a time where everything was so hopeful I think and there was so much acceptance acceptance and representation and I think it's mm-hmm. hard sometimes because it feels like we've we've stepped back from that and we're going backwards sometimes and this yeah. is per- perhaps because I'm a bit I don't know, I kind of look at things a bit negatively, but I know we are making advances and sometimes we we are progressing, but the last Mm. few years in Britain, it's felt quite depressing, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, And a lot of the time we feel like we're just sort of preaching to the choir and sort of we're in this kind of echo chamber Mm. and it's about breaking that down. We're not not just like a, a community that, we're not famous for like hiding or hiding away. We are out there and we're proud. And, you know, like we're going to answer back when straight prides are um, suggested and all that kind of stuff, because like, it's just, we yeah. need a voice and 
yeah that, there has been a big step back which is why when I went to parliament I was I did feel reassured because my perception of parliament is that it's corrupt and that it, they don't have time to worry about the actual everyday like the everyday man or whatever it might be mm. and it's not it's not fully true there are people there that are really trying to make a difference and yeah I really hope that does give a message that it's not all it's not all bad you know you've got to think think positively about these things um and also if I went in there and just sort of like questioned the people that voted for voted against us and you know had one of those kind of very divisive conversations then they might not turn up to the next LGBT event you know so the fact that they showed up is is important it's saying something Mm. and hopefully meaning that there can be changes in in their voting patterns and you know they can see people that that are representing a community that they're voting for when they put those X's in those boxes, they start to maybe hopefully see how important those those votes are to so many people. Honestly, David, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today you. about what the work that you're doing <laughs> and, oh, of course, your Eurovision songs. But it's been so great to reflect around them about what they mean to you and also about yeah your work in, in the community. Thank you. And and yeah, to find out that it's not just a beauty pageant, the yeah. uh, Mr. Gay Britain. It's actually yeah, absolutely. So much and I would encourage yeah. anyone listening, thinking, like, oh, that sounds fun. I should give it a go. Like, absolutely do it because it felt like almost like a betterment program for myself and the other people that were were uh, uh-huh. competing. Like everything I did, I kind of start. It, it took over my life. I started to think, like, you know, what can I do to be a better voice in our community? And like the books I was reading, um, and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it's. I mean, the, the last year has been Mr. Gay, Great Britain and Eurovision. And there's not really much else in between. Like, I'm just <laughs> so obsessed with Eurovision <laughs> and I'm so excited for this year's contest. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got tickets? I do. Yeah. I, oh, wow. Have you? We haven't. Yeah. So we're kind of gutted. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> are you going to live? What are you going to see? Um, I mean, we're in Oslo the week before, so we just don't know whether we're going to get back in time. But um, anyway, yeah. But you've got tickets, yeah? So we are members of OGAE and we we did a a good draw in the ballot. So we are going to all the live finals standing. Yeah. We'll see you on the TV then. Well, you never know. (laughs) I'll be waving my flag. (laughs) Pride flag. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm so excited. I think it's going to be a really good year, personally. Um, When I look back to like this time last year, though, I had sort of like a good top five. um, And this year, I think there are, there's almost like a good top 20 for me. There's a lot of. Okay. Wow. Top 20. I think so. Yeah. There's actually 20. Because I'm kind of feeling more like. I'm feeling like there's a good top 15. That's where I am at right. the moment. But um, yeah. we've just um, we just came back from Stockholm. So we were at the Melfest final. Oh, I'm so so jealous. we saw So we saw Lorraine win and we were, we had seats just next to the green room. Oh, so wow. we actually saw her reaction. And oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So so we're a little bit too close to that to tattoo as a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, if that that's our winner easily. Yeah. 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 That's where we're Same. Right but hopefully we see you see Lorene win <laughs> yeah so then we can cope yeah absolutely yeah it's um, gonna be how about good. the um the Lo- are you going to the London party I the am party. yes oh, oh yeah we'll yeah. be there as well oh yeah. amazing yeah. oh I look forward to seeing you there have a drink yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, have a little definitely. boogie. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking you have to teach to us it. a few moves. Okay. To upgrade our dance routine. <laughs> deal, deal. And I'm definitely going to get Homo Parody doing some parodies of Eurovision because it's something that every year I think, oh, what could we do? Oh, yeah. But yeah, we, it, like, Eurovision lends itself so well to parodies, as you probably know. Um, so yeah. We'll I, mu- I must just ask. That. I must just ask, what are your? If you had to choose top five this year, you've already said Lorene's in with tattoo. What are the other? What is the rest of your top five? Sorry. I'm getting my scorecard out. <laughs> oh right, good, yeah. Good, good. yeah. So my number one is Sweden. Yeah, is Lorene. Yeah. Uh, number two would be France. Um, with oh yes, yeah. Zara Evidemol, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's a special song. Okay, the next ones you might not agree with, but I Italy has been my number one country for the last 10 uh, years and i just okay. love to have it it just made makes me emotional i don't know what it is right and he's he's yeah. so hot <laughs> um, yeah, no, he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh i also okay so I, uh, number four i've actually got uk because i can't stop Ooh, we love it. the uk song yeah we love it we i love, love it, it. Yeah. and as a uk fat like as a as a um an english guy i kind of try not to be too patriotic and just sort of like actually let the songs do the talking. Um, but this is my favourite UK um, entry for a very long time. Um, yeah, same for us. Yeah. Same. I mean, yeah. Spaceman, I love, but I love the whole production, the staging, and I love Sam. Yeah. But in terms of yeah. like the song alone, this this is like Lucy Jones level for me because I love Lucy Jones. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> love Lucy. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Curveball for number five because Finland's six, but Curveball is Iceland. I oh I, power by uh, yeah Dilja Dilja yeah Dilja yeah yeah I loved that national final it was such a positive thing but that song I just can't stop listening to it it's a great it's a banger it really is and yeah, I don't, it is good yeah. yeah and I don't think it's I don't think it's going to do too well like there's a lot of Nordic mm-hmm. Nordic countries that are like storming it um, but yeah. I would take Iceland over Norway any day. Right. Yeah, we saw <laughs> Alessandra play and um, perform live in Stockholm. Was it good? And <laughs> it was good. She got the crowd going. Right. But we we didn't like it when we first heard it. We no. didn't want it to win the Norwegian final. So it's interesting. That's. I think that's yeah, why maybe. Yeah, I think yeah. I am as well. I wasn't as. I wanted. I wanted Ulrika to win with honesty. Yes. So I was kind. Of... Yes. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And I. It's. It is a good song, but it feels very generic for it to be a mm. top in, in people's top. I don't know, like it, yeah, it just feels like I could have written it on um, like a <laughs> on a Sunday night and gone, no, that could do well in Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's harsh, isn't it? Oh, wow. sorry, take that out. If, if that's <laughs> no, harsh, no, no, it's good, it's good. It's I don't want to be like one of the Alice... gays gays that like yeah. sounds off on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> I, just... I don't think Alessandra listens, so it's okay. Oh, really? <laughs> She's missing out. Just be honest. It is missing it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We must wrap it up there. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you and find out about you know, maybe promo an event that's coming up? Um, yeah. Thank you very much. So um, you can find me on Instagram on, at David underscore Allwood or Twitter at David Allwood underscore. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, Homo Parody, more importantly, is at Homo Parody on all socials like TikTok and Instagram. Um, and that's where you can find me, really. Yeah. And we've got an, um, a launch party for Kylie's Can't Get Out of My Head Homo Parody. And that's on the 10th of April um, at Arch Clapham. 
So get your tickets now, guys. It's yeah, be tickets fun. now. Yeah, go for it. Amazing. Plug, plug, plug. Okay. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again so much, David. It's so nice to spend some time with you like this. Yeah. And yeah. Thank you so much. Hello, I'm a big Eurovision fan. We can tell it's it's the knowledge that you have, and but also the knowledge of the queer community and mm. how that relates to Eurovision is so important to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Eurovision yeah. is so linked to the queer community. It really is. And yeah. So yeah, that's why I love your podcast. Thanks for having me on. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. Bye. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Eurovision Queens. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the causes that David talked about, including links to homo parody. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at Eurovision Queens Pod, on Instagram at Eurovision Queens, and if you feel like sending us an email, send that to EurovisionQueens at gmail.com. Until next time, bye! You've been listening to Eurovision Queens. If you enjoyed the episode, I know that Andy and Ryan would love to hear from you on email, Twitter or Instagram. Better still, why not leave them a review on Apple Podcasts so that other Eurovision fans can find them. 